This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, A vast universe exists within and beyond our reality. The frequencies that we can recognize and realize with our five senses are but a tiny part of all that is real. Welcome to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent, coming to you from Evansville, Indiana. Astrology has basically been around since man first looked up at the sky. And once we realized that uh, certain bodies moved around on their own, we've been able to recognize those energies and feel their, their impulse and their power. And eventually we began to direct our lives according to the seasons and how the stars would portend the seasons for us. Eventually it became a, uh, a way for advisors to advise kings and emperors around the world. Astrology kind of lost its favor right after the Renaissance, but has uh, picked back up again in the last 30 to 40 years here in America. And uh, we're going to talk to an astrologer today. Our special guest is Carol Hanneman. She was drawn to observing the stars since childhood. And she was guided by a merchant marine father who taught her about the constellations and the planets and how knowing these could guide a person's passage. In 1972, she got her first natal chart created by a computer in Grand Central Station in New York City. But it was years before astrology books began appearing in stores and libraries. Once they did, her study became a passion and her interest in astrology was purely personal at first. But as a career educator, she found that she loved to share astrology's guidance with others. She has read people's charts for decades, as well as given many workshops and classes. Currently, she belongs to two area astrology clubs, and she has attended many local and national conferences and symposiums featuring some of America's most prominent astrologers. Besides her astrology practice, Carol is also a Reiki master and teacher, and she teaches classes in Reiki ever since she got her master attunement in 2000. Her interests are wide-ranging, including a couple of decades in a membership of the Order of the Rosicrucians. She's also studied tarot, numerology, various other healing modalities, including healing touch, and quantum healing. So we're going to welcome Carol to our show today. Carol, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure here. It's it's all on this side of the mic, and we're, we're really hoping we can uh, bring some uh, good information to our listeners today. I hope so, too. Great. Um, how 
did uh, astrology and its study actually uh, get started here in America? Uh, well, the astrology has been around for a very long time, but mostly it has been underground, in some, you might say, because there was no computer, there was no Internet, people couldn't access it, just the average everyday person was unable to access it very easily. But there were people who were studying it early on. Um, but as you were saying in the introduction, it kind of fell out of favor, and a lot of the uh, studies of esoteric studies that were happening were, were mostly underground, so you had to know somebody. Of course, on the coasts, they, it was more prominent than it would have been in the heartland here, mm-hmm. and it's easier to find organizations that were studying it. In fact, a different Rosicrucian organization specializes in astrology, on the West Coast, and they were one of the biggest schools of astrology very early on. You know, back in the uh, the seventies here in America, it it became more of a uh, hippie new age kind of a, a dating uh, program. Yeah, it was more along that. the lines of, "Hey, what's your sun sign? Well, I know everything about you and whether or not I should date you." And and now it's actually come back exactly. to being the science that it has always been for ten or fifteen thousand years. And that's with the, uh, the uh, availability of all the information that we have. When I first started, all I had was, uh, I mean, all you read was your sun sign. You were absolutely right. I remember my mother used to read us our sun signs every day, and we would would go by that and laugh about it. But then later, um, <clears throat> excuse me, when I got my first natal chart, I really didn't know anything about it. There were no books. There was no Internet. I had somebody tell me, a friend of mine got the chart for $2 for me when she was in Grand Central Station. I was living in Massachusetts at the time. I remember being so excited she was going to bring all these answers to me. We're going to get right back to that in just a few minutes. We've got to take a break right now. Folks, you're listening to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Weijin, and we're talking to astrologer Carol Hanneman. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back in just a second. Johanna Carroll, host of Dialogue with Divinity on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. While walking along Kanapali Beach in Maui this past year, I kept discovering all these shells and coral in the shape of hearts. My Dialogue with Divinity was very simple. Do you want me to do a retreat to heal people's hearts in Maui next year? And of course, the answer was yes. As a master spiritual teacher, I am offering you a neat retreat called RISE, May 8th through the 12th, 2017, and the chance of a lifetime to rest at a five-star resort for five days and experience a spiritual renewal of your heart and soul. Kanapali is one of the top five beaches in the world. This stunning resort has undergone a $40 million renovation. I walked the entire property, checked out the room choices on your behalf, and I must say, it is stunning. Our conference room faces the ocean with sliding glass doors. Maui is known as Mother Maui because it is a soft, gentle, healing energy. In the embrace of Mother Maui, you will feel yourself rising from the limitations of an ordinary life to an extraordinary journey of peace, bliss, and harmony a greater sense of clarity. Our RISE retreat ignites renewal in the sacred elements of air, water, earth, fire, and wind. There's plenty of free time to enjoy all that Maui has to offer. A small deposit is required now to reserve your space as this retreat, it will sell out. 
For more details, please go to johannacarroll.com and register today. Aloha, and I'll see you in mystical Maui. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Welcome back to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Weijin, and we're talking to astrologer Carol Hanneman. Carol, when we uh, had to go to break, we were talking about your first chart and how little information there was to try to back up that information that was uh, going on in that chart. Can you tell us more about that particular journey? Uh, yes, I remember being very excited when my friend brought that chart back to me. And uh, all she could tell me, the person who ran the chart in Grand Central Station in New York City was able to tell her a few things about the aspects and the planets in my chart. And that's all I had to work with for years. And I searched. Um, where I was living there in western Massachusetts, there just wasn't, uh, there were hardly any bookstores even. So that was a journey. I had to kind of put that aside, although I still have that chart, believe it or not. It was my first chart. I still own it and look at it. And it was accurate, I have to say. Um, but when the book started to come out, I was on it. Um, I read everything I could get my hands on. And then I began to realize how much information there was and how many applications there, there uh, were for the information. So I think most people who go into astrology go into it for themselves. We're, we, we, would like, we, might, we like to know in our Western culture everything about our individual selves. We're very individualistic. And so we, we study and we learn and everything is about us. Um, but at some point along the journey you begin to realize, oh, well, I'm also interested in my partner or my child or my friend's chart and then you begin to read the more and more about everybody's sign and everybody's charts and that's what happened to me and being an educator I can't keep my mouth shut so I would share it with people and talk about astrology with people in my work and um, people wanted to know more of course we want to know about ourselves that's that's really amazing because uh, when people first hear about astrology, it's only about the sun sign. But there's just so many things going on in those charts and, and what's happening with the the current transits and uh, and how it's affecting the uh, the return of the the charts and, and all that. There's just so much there that it really is a lifetime study. Well, it doesn't end, and that's one thing I love about astrology, and every astrologer I know is in agreement with this, is that your chart, you can look at your chart for your entire lifetime and still see new things in your natal hmm. chart. And you think, oh my gosh, how can this be possible? So, of course, professional astrologers get readings from each other, and we go to clubs, and we talk about astrology, but it, it is amazing how it always 
continues to unfold for a person. And that's just the natal chart. But you're right. There are progressions that account for your inner journey. There are transits that tell us what's happening in the world outside us and how they, how they apply to us and, and maybe some rough patches we would go through. And some, um, we would, what we, become, uh, we come to realize as astrologers is that there's a wheel of fortune, Joe. Mm. <laughs> and sometimes good things are happening, and we ride that for all it's worth. And when the cycle comes around and we're going to be tested, we understand, um, and it's a comfort to us and anybody, to, be, to realize that that cycle, that tough time, will end eventually. So I think astrology helps us a great deal in that way. Do you consider astrology an, a, a science or an art? Well, I think it's both. It is both to me. Uh, obviously, we need astronomy for a, for a chart to be cast. So in that way, the science and the accurate uh, casting of a chart is very important. And that's why astrologers always want to know your birth time as close to the minute as they can and where you were born. So having all the data, the birth data, is very important to do an accurate chart. Um, but as far as it being, it's also an art because any astrologer who reads your chart is going to be telling you a story about yourself and putting together uh, all the various components. That's one thing about when you first start reading a chart, you are looking at it like it's a cookbook, you know, a teaspoon of this and a tablespoon of this and a cup of this. But putting it all together so that you have a tasty cake at the end is another thing altogether. So that part is the art. That takes intuition. So I think it's an intuitive art. Um, but I also now, over the many years of doing astrology, consider it a healing art. Because when you give a reading to somebody, many times they're coming to you not because they feel good, but because something tough is happening in their life. And you can help with that. There are suggestions you can make based on the chart that will actually comfort the person and that they can do to help themselves. And I, so that, uh, there are lots of, of things you can, you can get from a chart and ways to help people with, with reading a chart. Do you have an example of that, where someone has come to you with an issue and you've used the charts to uh, help them uh, either gather the lessons or learn how to deal with the, the changes that that issue is bringing? Uh, sure. I just read a, a solar return chart for a friend on Monday, and I read her chart every year around her birthday. That's a birthday chart, and it's, it's cast for when the sun comes around to the exact moment the sun was in her natal chart when she was born. And so we look at that chart, and that chart looks completely different because it's really the transits of the day at the time she was born on her birthday, or often it's the day before. And we look, into, we look at that chart, and we can see uh, what house the sun is in and what, might, what she'll be dealing with throughout the year would be uh, her son's house. Those would be the major things that she would be dealing with. But other things are revealed in the chart, too. And in, in this particular instance, my friend is getting ready to maybe work a couple more years. She's also an educator. Uh, there's some things happening at the school that she teaches at. And uh, there's a, there was a, a little hint of some underground changes or some things that were hidden that might come out later in the year, and just some things like that that were showing up in the chart. There was also a T-square, which um, is uh, an opposition between two planets, squared a uh, 90-degree angle by another planet that's considered very unstable in, in, uh, when you read a chart in astrology. So the way to help with that instability in that when you're feeling that, when you're having that in your year, and this would be for her entire year, uh, is to fill in the other leg of the table, the opposite of the hanging planet, if that makes any sense to you. Mm -hmm. And so instead of you having a, a triangle, you've got a nice square, which is much more stable. And so you can tell her, I was able to tell her, okay, 
here's the place, the blank place that you can fill in. It happened to be in the sign of cancer in her sixth house. So here you can take a bath. You can do something with water. You can honor your feelings. You can take some quiet time. You can journal. You can try to come to grips with understanding what am I feeling here? How am I feeling? Am I just a do I? Because the um, indications in the chart were so underground that she may be, she might have been feeling things or she might sense things going on around her that were unpleasant, but she would not necessarily, they wouldn't be overt. Uh, so if you take some quiet time, often with aspects she had, you can kind of come to grips. Uh, with how you're feeling, and you can recognize things that wouldn't necessarily be overt, but that you'll be able to see because you get quiet and your intuitive self will tell you what's happening. Um, I hope that that helps. That is amazing. But yeah, there's a lot of information in any chart, more than you have time to talk about with a person. You know... One of the things that I have a difficulty with whenever I'm uh, either reading books about astrology or, or, or trying to you know, teach myself a little bit more about it is how the, the energies um, uh, blend or how they mix together. For example, you know, you've got the, the planetary energies, you've got the sign energies, and you have house energies. And trying to figure out what it means when a particular planet is in a particular uh, sign at a particular house and what that actually means in a sentence uh, sometimes eludes me. Can, can you help me kind of figure that out? <laughs> that's the part that's the hardest, Joe. <laughs> well, I know. That's, that's why I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's what I was saying earlier. That is, um, that's, that's the leap an astrologer has to make. Uh, because you start off with books, you know, and you can read. Okay, you know, the sun and the sixth, the sun in in uh, Leo, say, is in the sixth house, and it has certain aspects to other planets. And so you're trying to read that. What does that mean? You know, how can this how can this work? You can read about the sun sign in Leo, and you get this picture of this performer and this person who is out there and and uh, and very creative and artistic and um, loves to be in the spotlight. And then you plug that sun into the sixth house, which is normally uh, a rule in the natural chart by Virgo, which is a very different energy. Mm-hmm. So the sixth house is about your health and your service to others, uh, your pets. It's about a variety of things. But it's a very low-key house where you, it's your daily grind, it's your habitual self, um, it's, uh, you know, what you eat, and, and that doesn't seem to blend very well with the sign of Leo. And so you have to blend those two, and you think, okay, well, maybe this person being a Leo would really shine in the workplace. So this is somebody that maybe will... Um, be able to work in an arena where they're, they're able to speak and, and get out there and present information um, to others concerning health matters. So they might be the person that you see on PBS uh, during their pledge week that gives a special program about you know, how to make your brain work better, um, something like that somebody that would have the ability to get out in front of the public and, and love doing that, bring some of the issues and the concerns of the sixth house to others. So that's one of the possibilities. In the, uh, the minute that we have left before we have to go to a break, there are horoscopes in about every newspaper in America and, of course, with all the information available in astrology, these tiny little predictions can apply to so many people. What, what's your opinion on, on taking any stock in uh, newspaper horoscopes based off astrology? Well, sunshine horoscopes, or horoscopes actually do have a, a place. I did a whole talk on that one time um, 
for a club in, in uh, my club in, in Louisville. And uh, you can take your sun sign and put it, plug it in on the first house and then look to see the transits uh, around the other houses. Where is Saturn in the sky um, showing up in that chart? Where is Neptune? Where is, where is Mars? Um, and tell things from that that are quite valid, actually, Joe. So hmm. it isn't everything. It's never is going to be as good as if you know a birth time and you do a chart from scratch. But well, we're going to come right back to that in just a second. We're going to take a break, folks. We'll be right back in just a moment. You are listening to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Weijin. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at... Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying... Welcome back to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Weijin. Today we're talking to Carol Hanneman and discussing astrology. Carol, there are so many different branches of astrology. There's so many different fields of study. Uh, can you tell us how, say, uh, electional 
astrology can be used uh, to determine uh, which is the best or at least a good time to uh, to do something in our lives? Uh, sure. Uh, let's take a really easy example. Most of us have had to sign a contract. That's an important contract. Say you're buying a house and you need to go into the bank and sign the mortgage contract. Um, I'll tell you a story. What happened to me? I should know this, but there wasn't. I was needing to buy this house and I was needing to get out of the place I was in. And I knew that when Mercury is retrograde, you should never sign a contract without a lot of care and never. Uh, and if you can help it, if you can put it off, you just don't do it. You wait the three weeks or however long until Mercury goes direct. And so, and Mercury goes retrograde four times a year, so it happens often, every season. So I couldn't wait. I knew that I had to be very careful. I reread it a hundred times, like you're supposed to do if that is the case, and went into the bank and signed, signed the contract. And about two days later, the banker called me all, all fretting and in a panic and said, can you come back in? Uh, we made a terrible mistake on the contract. <laughs> and what I, what I had bought was property that didn't exist. Uh, they had um, put down the wrong description of my property. Hmm. So I had to go back in and sign it again. And that's very typical with Mercury retrograde. Often something doesn't work out. Uh, if the mistake is caught, good for you. But sometimes it's not caught uh, for a while, if ever, and later it comes up to... Uh, usually you have to deal with it later. <clears throat> Excuse me. But <clears throat> the retrograde... <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. Often means you have to do something twice. So you might as well wait and do it right the first time. So that's something that you can look ahead and decide... And I had a friend who knew that story who thought was buying a house of her own some years later. And Mercury was retrograde when she would have had to go in and, and um, do the final buying. And so she just said, you know, I'm not going to have that happen to me. So she told the realtor, I, I need to wait. She said, Mercury's retrograde. She didn't care whether the realtor knew anything about astrology or not. But she just said, I, I need to wait two weeks because Mercury is retrograde and it will take two weeks for it to go direct before I can sign for this house. And so there was nothing they could do. They had to wait for her. The, the deal was, uh, went down in two weeks. And, it was, and I'll tell you what, during those two weeks, there was a big rain and the basement of the house flooded. And so she, often with Mercury retrograde, when you go to sign a contract, you don't see everything. So here my friend had uh, something happen, and the realtor had to call her and say, the basement flooded, let's figure out something we can do to get this fixed. And so they decided that she would pay for half and the owners would pay for half. But if she had bought that house before that happened, she would have been liable for the whole thing. So she benefited from waiting, and that was a very real-world example. So there are things that you can look at. Uh, say if you're going to have surgery and it's electional, you can choose when it's going to be. You don't. It's not an emergency. Um, you would do. There are certain rules that you would follow. You would choose this a sign um, based on the part of the body that was ruled by it. So say you were going to have um, some work done on your throat. You needed to have some thyroid problem corrected, and it was not an emergency. And you could kind of choose when this would happen. You would not choose the sign of Taurus because that sign rules the throat. So one of the rules is you don't choose the sign uh, that rules the part of the body that you're having work done on. Um, that's the big one. Um, and the other one is you try, you try to choose a sign that is as far away from that part of the body, ideally lower than that part of the body, um, as far away as, from it as you can get. And you never choose the sign of Scorpio, no matter what kind of surgery you're having. So there are rules like that. Uh, you would also not 
tried not to have the surgery during a full moon because that produces a lot more bleeding than the dark of the moon or a waning moon. So there are different rules based on what you're trying to accomplish uh, that you can look for and that you can decide what the best time will be. But I will tell you there's never a perfect time, so you kind of have to pick your poison when you do a chart like that. But there are definitely some things you can do that will help. You brought up so many uh, amazing points during that. I, I, I can tell you, having worked third shift for uh, 23 years, I can tell you that uh, no one can tell you when the full moon is going to be or if it's happening faster than cops and nurses. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. Oh, and yeah, because it, it seems like uh, somebody just pulled the rug out from underneath everybody on the planet, and everyone's going completely crazy all at once. That's that's right. I think that's, um, I know I have heard that. I've, I've witnessed it myself. And, you know, that brings us back to when, uh, when, how did astrology begin? And, I mean, you know that our ancestors would have been fine observers. They wouldn't have had any distractions. They're all about their survival. And, you know, they probably noticed right away that a full moon, uh, the difference between a, a full moon and a new moon, and, a, and a, a waxing moon and a waning moon, and what that meant, what that meant in the tribe, and and how it felt. You know, I think that the astrology came about by our careful observation, and then making correlations, just like you're saying, to the observations that we see around the things we see around us. Oh, the moon is full. I, I can expect this now. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of uh, years ago, we had a Mercury retrograde that hit right around November. And, you know, because it uh, rules things like communications and electronics, I lost a laptop and a printer that month and had to go out and buy all new equipment because it just, it went, it went south on us. <laughs> Yes, it can fry your electronics and your communications uh, can just be cut off. Things can happen temporarily, though. They don't have to go down. I've, ha I've known instances, uh, and I've had these happen to me, where uh, your phone starts acting up and you can't get out or in. Uh, you know, your line goes dead for so no reason that anyone can figure. And then suddenly it goes back on, you know, Mercury goes direct and you've got it again and there's no explanation for it. Or the fan in your car doesn't work for that for a week and there's no way you can, you can make sense of it. But you think, okay, Mercury's retrograde. But I have, a, I have another example, a Mercury retrograde story for you. And I'll tell you what, that's one of the big ones. If you want to work with astrology, keep your, your eye on when Mercury retrograde is coming and pay attention to that. But I had a, my cousin was having a birthday and I had bought her a gift and it was a seasonal gift. It was, she's born in August and so it was something that she would want to use in the summer. And, but I knew Mercury was retrograde, and I hesitated to mail it to her. But because it was it, it was seasonal, I thought, I'm going to get this in the mail anyway. Well, I forgot about it. I mailed it. I forgot about it. I never heard from her. Uh, she's in Pennsylvania. We don't always communicate. I didn't think anything about it. School started. I was back you know, on the job, and I forgot all about it. Well, three months later, when Mercury went retrograde again, she got the gift, <laughs> so it got lost in the mail for three months, and suddenly she emails and says, hey, you know, I got this gift, thank you for the gift, <laughs> and three months have gone by, but you see things like that with Mercury retrograde, things, come, things that happen during one retrograde may rectify themselves in the next. About uh, four and a half years ago, when I was uh, putting in some paperwork to move from a, a third shift position at uh, where I work to a day shift uh, position in the office, uh, doing an entirely different kind of work, and I had interviewed for that position and put in the paperwork, and I was explaining that I was really you know, doing a lot of law of attraction work for that particular move and that transfer and a friend of mine who studies astrology 
she said, you're not going to hear anything until a, a week and a half from now on a Wednesday. You're going to get the phone call because that's when this planet moves into that phase and this is going to happen and that's going to go back uh, direct instead of retrograde. So it, you're not going to hear anything until Wednesday. And I'll be darned at exactly when I got the call. I'm not surprised. I mean, that is exactly right. And how many times have I given that same kind of advice to people? Don't worry about it. You put this in, this paperwork in for whatever request it was, a job or whatever. Uh, just as Mercury was going retrograde, it is going to take the three weeks before you hear, before you can even hope to hear, put it out of your mind. And uh, nine times out of ten, the day that Mercury goes direct or maybe the day after they hear. So there's, you know, it brings us back to what the what is the use of astrology? Well, astrology is a great comfort when you know that it's not you. You know, they're not they're not dissing you or they're not um, ignoring you. Nothing has gone south here, you know. But when Mercury is retrograde, um, you can just sort of relax. In fact, we're meant to just review and relax when Mercury is retrograde. And I think that year-round school could be based on Mercury retrograde, where we go to school when our minds are clear and Mercury is direct and we can take in information and communicate well. And then on the three weeks of the retrograde, you let everybody off and they, they um, can in- integrate that information and be ready to go when it goes direct again. That's a great idea, but, you know, try getting that through uh, school administrators. Oh. Yeah, but tell them that astrology <laughs> makes it so. <laughs> right. So how do you reconcile the three weeks of retrograde and the week or two ahead and behind that event that also tend to affect things? That, that you know, those uh, lead-in and draw-out times also tend to affect things almost as strongly as the retrograde itself. Uh, they can, and that, that's the, the orb phenomena where we get retrograde slowing. See, that week before and the week after, uh, and especially around three days before and after Mercury actually stations retrograde or direct, is called the storm. And that's because retrograde, uh, Mercury is, move, is not moving hardly at all. I mean, it's stationing. It's still in the sky. So uh, that's... That is actually the worst time to try to do anything and to make something happen because it's just not going to move. Uh, that's Mercury ruled. So you're right. There so is- we're going to come back to that in just a second. We're going to go to a break for a few minutes. You're listening to the World Beyond Radio Show, and I'm your host, Joe Wegent. We are talking astrology with special guest Carol Hanneman, and we'll be right back in just a minute. In over 36 years in law enforcement, I've learned a few things. The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars. It's no different in the world of paranormal investigation, whether it's the search for the afterlife, cryptozoology, extraterrestrials, and UFOs. How we gather that evidence of their existence, preserve that same evidence, and present it to a court of our peers will make the ultimate difference in proving the existence of worlds and entities that are beyond our imagination. Come with me on a journey that seeks to prove with undisputable evidence what man has struggled to believe for centuries. Join me, Larry Lawson, host of the Paranormal Stakeout, coming to the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Check out the broadcast schedule for Paranormal Stakeout with yours truly, Larry Lawson, at www.xzbn.net. For more information about me, my travels, and my team, check out our website at www.paranormalfbi.com or join us on Facebook at Florida Bureau of Paranormal. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, 
Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Welcome back to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent, coming at you from Evansville, Indiana. Our show is produced and carried by the X-Zone Broadcast Network and Relmar McConnell Media Company, headquartered in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. For more information and to listen to any archive shows of, of my own or any of the other amazing hosts, visit www.xzbn.net. If you need to contact me to uh, ask questions or to be a host or a guest on the show, you can contact me by email at joewegent, that's Joe, W-E-I-G-A-N-T, at xzbn.net. And for more information on the things I do, you can visit my websites, paranormalpeace.com and reikichoice, R-E-I-K-I, choice.com. Our special guest this hour has been Carol Hanneman, and she is an astrologer and has been for several decades, and she can be reached by email at stargazer2002, that's stargazer2002 at hotmail.com. 
Carol, it has been an absolute pleasure having you with us here on the World Beyond Radio Show. As far as this past summer, we had five planets that went retrograde. Can you explain a little bit about uh, what that did for us and what it didn't do for us? Well, you have to understand, Joe, that the outer planets go retrograde all the time. So planets like Saturn and uh, Eve and Uranus and Neptune and Pluto, are, they spend half the year retrograde. So that in, in and of itself is not a big deal. Um, but having some of the personal planets, those are the ones that we feel the most. And it's just a slowdown time. When things are retrograde, it's just like Mercury retrograde. We're meant to go inward and not push ahead not push ahead so much and not try to make things happen as quickly and kind of integrate the things that are going on around us. And I don't think we like to do that in our Western culture. You know, we're always full speed ahead uh, in the Western culture and thinking about what we can do next. And so sometimes I think that makes us feel like nothing is happening quickly enough. But that's okay because that's the way it's meant to be. We're supposed to go a little more deeply into the time and spend more time with ourselves. You know, when you have a lot of retrograde planets in your natal chart, you are the type of person who is more internal and spends more time deeply thinking about things and experiencing things than somebody who doesn't have any retrograde planets in their natal chart. So you could look at it that way. Um, when we have some of the personal planets, like Mercury, Venus, or Mars go retrograde, I think we all feel it a lot more. Very neat. Uh, how do the energies of these planets, and whenever they're going through their aspects and some of their transits, how do these things uh, actually affect our day-to-day -day operation? How, how can we apply those energies to uh, how we how we make decisions throughout the day? Well, in astrology, um, we look at transits, but we always look at transits in relationship to the natal chart. So if you're, if you're, looking, if you're talking about a person's chart, uh, that person might have a wonderful aspect between the same two planets, um, the same planet in the sky that is doing terrible things to another planet in the sky. And so it might, that might not affect you as strongly as it would affect someone else who maybe has a different sort of a hard aspect between those two planets. So I will say that, that it's, it's, it's unique for each person. But, but you're right. There are certain things that are happening in the sky. Between, between 2012 and 2015, we had uh, Pluto, which is transiting the sign of Capricorn right now. Um, and so Capricorn rules things like big business, for instance, and government and large institutions. And we had that on and off squaring seven times exactly the planet Uranus, which is now in Aries. And Aries is kind of a me first, um, full speed ahead, revolutionary planet in a Martian sign. You know, let's let's rabble rouse let's make something happen and those two planets were in the sky and they were squaring off so <clears throat> squaring off think of think of a think of a boxing match you know people are squaring off and and what's going to happen there's a lot of tension and sparks are flying and i think that we all were feeling that because we were observing what was happening and we we saw um um, you know the the end result. I think from that, I, we could we could we could experience that personally. For me, I had uh, my mother died during that period. There were a lot of very deep feelings and things happening um, for me personally. But outwardly, in in our country, we were seeing um, corporations seem like they're getting ever stronger and the people are sort of rising up and saying hey wait a minute I'm losing my job and I don't like this and it's resulted in having a populist new president-elect now who says I'm going to save your jobs and people voted for that so does that make sense to you where we kind of were experiencing this tension 
And then as a country, we wind up saying, okay, we're going to choose the candidate who is not from the elite and who is going promising us that he's going to help the common person. You know, that's, that's one of the main uh, amazing things about astrology is that not only does it affect individual lives, but it can actually affect countries. I've, I've seen uh, magazines where they have said that certain things come into line and this country will argue with this country and that nation will be going to war against this nation all because of the way the charts act. And it's not just an individual application, but it's a, a national application as well. That's right. And, um, of course, that's why, as you said in the introduction, astrologers worked for kings and queens. <laughs> you know, they needed to know. Um, the kings wanted to know, this is a good time to go to war, or what, what can I expect? Um, I will say that in the United States chart, that same, very same transiting Pluto and Capricorn has, during 2012 to 2015, was opposing our natal sun, our country's sun in Cancer was being opposed, directly opposed, which is a very hard aspect, by Pluto. So Pluto rules things like sex and death and regeneration. It's a transformative energy. So right now, and especially between 2012 and 2015, our, our sense of self as the United States of America, as a country, was being, uh, we were facing off with our use of power and how we are in the world, and, and of course, don't forget that Capricorn rules corporations. So we were seeing corporations having so much power. Um, and here we see now uh, we are in the final phase, the final last few years of our own Pluto return. In 2023, Pluto will come back to where it was when we were incorporated as a country in seven. 1776. So right now, it's the hardest time because everything that has worked for us for 248 years is now breaking down. And it will be very interesting to see how these, these years go and how much further things can break down and how the shifts uh, power, uh, who holds the power shifts, because that's going to be the real kicker, I think, for our country. Outstanding. In the last few minutes that we have left today, the tarot cards uh, have been used for 500 years, uh, starting in uh, Europe. And now, heck, there's probably 12 or 1300 different kinds of tarot cards out there. But there is so much astrology built into the cards. Uh, can you go into that just a little bit? I wish I knew more about that than I do. I do know that that's true, and I have studied it a little bit, but I'm sorry, I, I can't speak off the top of my head. You probably know more about that than I do. Uh, actually, I, I wish I knew more about astrology so I could apply it better to when I'm reading cards. I've seen people who are uh, really uh, well-read on astrology, and whenever they do card readings, they can really bring in the planet energy and the things that are happening and bring it in through the cards whenever they're reading, but I'm just not that good yet. <laughs> Well, I know that I've looked at that and that there are certain cards that, that actually have, that have planetary energies and certain cards that relate to certain seasons. And so, yes, it's absolutely all embedded in there. But um, it is not, tarot is not something that I do for other people and know as much about as I would like to. So we need to swap, Joe. <laughs> That's no kidding. Yeah, we need to teach each other a little bit, huh? Mm-hmm. So the uh, the energies of the planets and the houses and all these things that are going on in our charts, how can we uh, use that uh, every day? What, what can we do? Can, can we uh, get a, uh, an astrology guidebook and, and look at the way the planets are aspecting each other and, and try to do that on our own? How much, how much study would that take for us to do that for ourselves? That is a great question, and that's exactly where I, I wanted to end up today um, as an educator. It's like, how can, how can you help yourself really quickly here today, for instance, if you're listening to this? Well, you can, now you can go online. There's a wonderful website called astro.com, A-S-T-R-O.com. 
you can plug in, if you know nothing about astrology, you can go onto that website, plug in your birth data if you know it. Uh, you'll need to know it. And there's mm-hmm. an interact feature, and you can just click on your own chart, and it will give you information. You don't even have well, to Well, I'm going to direct our readers to go into that and go to astro.com and look that up. We have had a great hour today, and I appreciate you coming on the show with us. You have been listening to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent, and I promise we'll talk again.